Welcome to the Skill Stadium, a podcast for the skilled trades, where you can learn about the opportunities and benefits of working in the skilled trades from business owners, hiring managers, and the hardworking, talented professionals. And now, your host, Keith Williams. Hi, Keith Williams here with the Skill Stadium podcast, episode 57. Today, we are talking about careers in the aviation industry. You are going to learn from someone who has great relationships with employers and knows what it takes to stand out and get hired. This is great information for anyone who's seeking employment. You don't want to miss this episode, so please stay tuned. My guest today is the Associate Director of Career Services at the Pittsburgh Institute of aeronautics. She's a military brat who grew up everywhere. She attended West Liberty College, the first college actually in the state of West Virginia. Didn't know that. She started her career in tourism, working for a four-star resort in West Virginia, and then moved to Myrtle Beach and worked for an aquarium and large corporation overseeing 12 tourist attractions. My guest has worked full-time while attending college full-time. Quite a remarkable task. She picked up an extra part-time job in her last year of college, an extra part-time job on top of the full-time job at full-time school to save up money to uh, go to England when she graduated, to move to England. She graduated in 1994 and she got to work in England for one year and learned the culture. She changed careers at 35 going into the aviation industry One of her personal professional accomplishments that she's proud of is she's hired over 500 aircraft mechanics in 13 years at her previous company. That company, unfortunately, closed in 2015 because she'd hired a lot of uh, people from PIA students. That school came knocking, and that's where she is now during her free time. She loves to travel. Please welcome Mindy Pavalonis to the Skill Stadium podcast. Mindy, how are you today? Doing great. Thank you so much, Keith, for having me join you today. And hello to everyone out there listening. Yes, yes. Mindy, thank you so much for being on the show. Mindy, how is England? I mean, I've been to to England, UK, and I I think it's a wonderful country. Uh, London's a very cool city. Talk to me about why you picked that city. I was just curious. Well, my first pick was China. Um, my, as, and as you said, I'm a military brat and my father said, you are not going to China in 1994. He said, buy yourself to live over there. He says, you need to look for, uh, you know, a, um, more at the time safe country that he wanted, you know, he didn't want his young daughter going somewhere that he felt was not maybe hundred percent safe. So I went back to our foreign, um, uh, department at the college, and they had stacks and stacks of different places that college students could could go to. And I came across a program called Work uh, Work in Britain, and it didn't require any kind of an essay. It didn't require a scholarship, and you actually got to work. It's reciprocal. We allow them to also come over here and work for six months to a year, given a visa. It costs two hundred fifty dollars for a visa. Um, so that's what I did. I applied, but then I wanted to save money to make sure that I could take care of myself while I was over there initially. So that's why I got the second part-time job in college, um, and saved up some cash flow. And then I jumped on a plane and went and landed and went straight to their offices and started looking for work. And I ended up down in the Southwest of England. It's called Cornwall and it's kind of their tourist destination. 
Mm -hmm. So most people from the northern part of England go down there for their summer vacation. And so um, it was awesome. It was a wonderful experience. And even though I was a military brat, that was the first time that I personally had gone over the pond. All of my travels had been in the United States. Awesome. You, you know, another thing, too, is it probably enriched you and changed you as a person because you're so young. Yes. I mean, it, it, it it's amazing. I think a lot of young people don't understand how valuable that is. To go and spend time in another country. Extremely valuable um, for everything that we think that we know, right? Yes. I I, I, I learned very quickly uh, within the first few months that I was over there that um, I had to truly grow up. I worked hard. I was never spoiled, but you don't realize you don't realize what other folks are going to through. And even though it's England and our ally um, to see other different countries and see their conditions and just see their cultures that you learn that, you know, America is a wonderful country. Um, and I learned so much over there about myself because I was on my own and had nobody zero. I literally got off the plane and I had nobody. And back then 1994, there was no cell phones. I had to go to a pay phone and call my parents collected about five bucks a minute. Yes. Oh, so I that was rare. I remember those days. I, yes. I, I college in '94. I, I I could I could definitely relate. <laughs> so, uh, I, it's it is amazing. Like I said, and I always tell young people: if you can travel now while you're young and you don't have anything tying you down, do it. And and it, and this is a prime example. Just listening to you, so um, I I respect that a lot. Um, you know, our first conversation, what I found about you is you're very personable. You have great people skills. Can you please share the importance of these skills sets and how it has helped you in your career? Uh, tremendously. Um, because I work with so many employers across the country, um, because it's aviation, right? So mm -hmm. it's, it's worldwide, obviously. But yes. for the most part, we are working um, domestically, some Canada, um, and then, of course, Micronesian islands and some of the U.S. territory islands. So I have constant contact or need to reach out and, and connect with a various personalities from all over the country. Yes. So having, you know, so be, me being a people person and having these skill sets have, have just been a, a true asset, um, specifically the past five years working in this role. Prior to that, in my previous role as the HR manager and recruiter for the aircraft repair station, 75% of our customers were global. Mm -hmm. So back to this culture thing, yes. right? Yes. It yes. all comes around. <clears throat> Um, that's where it helped me to understand that not to take offense, right? Don't be defensive. Let's open our minds and our heart and listen. Let's yes. listen. What what are what's going on here? Doing homework. Back to the internet. I know there's a there's we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Um, being able to jump on um, the internet and Google anything you want at any given time. You know, I've got mm -hmm. these folks coming from Brazil, and I'm going. You know what? Let me find out a little bit more about Brazilian culture. There's five of these guys coming with this aircraft. They're going to stay here for six months watching that aircraft. I need to get to know these guys, oh, yeah. right? Because I'm I'm their I'm their per se customer service rep. You know, mm -hmm. I, I booked travel for them. Besides hiring mechanics and doing the day to day human resources for my company, I was also the customer service rep for these customers coming from all over the globe. Yeah, and what I think what a lot of people don't realize, and the reason why I asked you this is that. Companies, when I talk to companies, particularly in the skill trades, they tell me the most important thing for them is the people skills, the soft skills. They said, we can teach you. Yeah, I had a, I, I, I talked to plumbing, plumbing companies. 
we can teach you the plumbing. We can't teach you how to, you know, how to be a good, how to interact well with the customers. Correct. How to be able to read customers, how to be able, those things are a huge asset. And, and I think the younger generation, I mean, I don't want to stereotype, but because of technology, sometimes that has hindered them a bit. Mm-hmm. Whereas when we came up, we didn't have the technology. You had to go shake somebody's hand, look them in the eye, speak to them, you know, yes. talk on the phone. You weren't, you didn't grow up texting. I didn't grow no. up texting. So that's why I say that just to say that those people's skills are an asset. They still are necessary today, despite the te- despite the technology. Yes, they are. And when I speak with our students about here in the school, that like you said, it's not being up the younger generation. That's what they grew up on. We need to understand them and then be able to say, okay, this is how they learn. This is how they operate. But how can we get a nice balance? Because yes, for our industry in aviation, and I'm sure this can be for others, especially the skilled trades. Mm-hmm. When I speak to my student that's 24 years old, I say, hey, you're going to be speaking to an, a recruiter that's 45, 55 years old. Yes. They still want you to shake their hand. They still want you to, and they're okay with an email. It doesn't have to be a handwritten note, but do a proper email, dear Mr. Smith. They still appreciate that. Uh, you know what I mean? And, and what we're also finding, I have to say on their side of the things as far as texting, um, HR recruiters, especially the younger ones, they're bringing more of that to the forefront of a company saying, hey, the best way for us to reach these students to hire them on as aircraft mechanics, they like to text. Yes. So there's, there's, a, there's a compromise happening. Yeah. I, I think, Mindy, I think I want to just touch on something. What I think you do well is you bridge the two generations. Correct. You get what the younger generation needs, but yet you get what you obviously, you know, your generation and what, and what you know, what our, how our generation operates. I shouldn't say yes. you're our generation because I'm in that generation. Yes. <laughs> how our generation operates. So you, you kind of have the best of both worlds. And that I think is such an asset because you've got it. You're, you, at the end of the day, you're just trying to match people, trying to get the right, right companies, you know? And so I, I think it is so critical to be able to have that understanding, what you call it, you say a balance, you know? Yes. And that's, and that goes for both of us, right? That goes for the, that goes for the student, right? The employee to be able to say, Oh, I've got to remember I'm dealing with this 50 year old. Yeah. And let's teach each other. Let's teach each other. Yes. Yes. I, I think the, I think the greatest asset is a multi-generational workforce mm-hmm. complement each other's weaknesses where they learn from each other. You know, the, the young person teaches you a little bit more about the technology and how things move today. Yep. You teach them a little bit more about the hard, hard skills, soft skills, you know, still the traditional things that matter and are valued, you know? So, so, you know, growing up, you said you're, you know, you're from a military family, you know, your brother works on helicopters you know, I always like to kind of get a bit of a background and understand where people come from. Tell me, how much of an influence did that have on your career path? Yes, you know, <clears throat> thinking about that, when I, and I've looked back over the, the years and thought about how interesting, and I, I speak with my mother about this, and she says it's, it's unbelievable to see her kids both being in aviation. She said, I never would have thought I would have seen you get in some form of aviation. Sure. 
And unfortunately, my dad's passed away. So he right. he wasn't around since I've gotten into aviation. She always says how proud he would have been and how happy that would have made him. Sure. Um, and But the probably the biggest influence was traveling. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, like I said, I, once I went to England, I knew there was a big world out there. And I came home and I started traveling even more, a lot more domestically. But then I went, I went back to England a couple of times. I've been to Scotland. I've been to Australia, Dominican Republic, the islands. So, How do you like Australia? Sorry, can I jump in there for a second? Tell me what Australia's like. Australia. Oh my gosh. I thought like like everybody around the world talks about how big American men are. No, they're big in Australia. Yeah. They are like cavemen. They are, they're, they're like, they should all play for the NFL. That was the first thing I noticed as a young girl, 27, I was single. Wow. Okay. Like, all right. All right. I'm not mad at you. <laughs> I hear yeah. you. Um, the water was great, obviously. I did some fishing. And actually, so how do I get to Australia? Because I lived in England, and I worked with a girl from Scotland who was best friends with a guy from Australia. And he said, why don't you guys come over, and you guys can stay at my place. Nice. So we got a free place to stay. And, of course, you know, being American, I was lucky to get two weeks off work. My girlfriends, you know, from England, they get a whole six weeks off. Um, so, yeah, that's a good on that rabbit hole. So yes. <laughs> uh, we stayed there, and I stayed in um, Sydney and Newcastle. Newcastle is south or north of Sydney, and we hit a bunch of wineries and breweries. Nice. So it was awesome. People were great, very, very uh, just a lot like us, their culture, their, their mindset and their their personalities are very much like ours how we operate and cool. think cool no it's 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 on my bucket list i want to go to australia yeah. that, that jumped out when i heard you say that nice nice so you were talking about how your family the career path like how your your yeah. mom so so the, the the travel part and having fell into this position at you know back in 2004 with the aircraft repair station as soon as I walked in the door, it, I went as a favor. My friend called me up and said, I need you to go over there and see what these folks need. They've called me up. She she owned a temporary staffing agency. I was mm-hmm. teaching a marketing class at the local technical school. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so I go over there, knock on the door, and I'm like, oh, yeah, airplanes. And I start walking around with the guy. I said, my friend Beth called me since I was close by to find out what your needs were. They basically needed a girl Friday. Okay. Well, here I am, right? Wow. And all of a sudden they go, I sit down with this guy for two hours, and I said, take me through your hangar. I said, yeah, my dad worked on SR-71s. My brother works on helicopters. And I, so I kind of get the environment. He goes, he goes, I like you. He goes, do you want to come work for us? And I was like. Sure. Nice. I, so I literally was doing everything. I, I mean, just doing everything. But the main thing was we had to get, we had to hire aircraft mechanics. Even yeah. back then in 2004, the shortage was real. Wow. And I just want to touch on that listeners. Skillers, I, I call my audience skillers. Skillers. Um, yeah. What Mindy did was she just went in there and she was herself. And mm-hmm. her personal skills, her people skills, how she was just being herself. That's really what got her the job. And, you know, I, I mean, again, just listening to you, if I'm wrong, please tell me. But I really feel like they just like the personality. I got to believe. Obviously, you were te- you had the skill sets, but I'm just saying. Yes. That. Yes. And you know what they said later? <clears throat> and um, our industry is very specific. Um, it's hardcore. It's, it's, it's uh, uh, you know, it's a traditional, a male married with two kids and a dog. It's just the mm-hmm. statistics. They're, they're, the facts are there, okay? There's less than 3% of female aviation mechanics in North America. Wow. Uh, we're starting to see a little bit of a trend upwards on that, but, I mean, it's minute, maybe by less than half percent. Um, 
So what they said to me is like, we need someone with all your skill sets, but the biggest skill set that you're bringing to this environment is the fact that these guys are tough and you have a tough, strong personality and you can deal with them. You're a military brat. You're strong. So yes, do people skills, right? And personality traits mean something. Yes, they do. They they mean a lot. Definitely. Definitely. How do you think we get more women into the aviation industry? How do we change it? You just said it's only 3%. Yeah. Yeah. And this has been ongoing. When you look back at the numbers, I read them a couple months ago that I went back 20 years and basically it has hovered right around that 3%, maybe gone up one or two years, 4.2. So this is what they're taught. They're taught to be flight attendants. Uh, Okay. They're not, they're not being told by their counselors uh, or now the kind of the popular thing over the past 10 years is a pilot. Right. The pilot is always the glamorous one. The flight attendant is is always the the quote pretty one. And let's just be real here. Right. We're being realistic. This is we got we got to talk real to have that conversation at the table. And they're not talking to anybody about being an aircraft mechanic. All anybody thinks about aircraft mechanic is, oh, that's a greasy, dirty job. Well, no, go to Gulfstream with a twenty five million dollar aircraft that Oprah Winfrey flies. I'm telling (laughs) you, it's not dirty because I was there in that hangar. No pictures allowed. No phone cell phones allowed. Air conditioned, uh, spotless hangar floors. I'm talking so impressive. So what I'm saying is, yeah, are there the smaller mom and pop aircraft, you know, crop dusters, those types of things, a little bit more greasy. But no, this is high end stuff. You know, an aircraft is built, manufactured and built to last for 30 years. Right. You got an aircraft that costs 30, 40 million dollars. Do you think it's going to be sitting in some shoddy hangar? No, no, no. Not at all. It's very serious business. If we took our car apart and looked at every single nut and bolt for any any kind of, uh, um, you know, maintenance issues or wear and tear, right? Um, uh, little sheet metal, a little bit of corrosion. If we did that, our car would last us 30, 40 years, wouldn't it? Yes, That's what we do with aircraft. We do heavy maintenance on aircraft. So every so many miles that's flown, so many hours that's been flown, it has to go through all these different checks. Sorry, now I'm starting to get into going down a rabbit hole. So I love what I do. No, no, it's cool. It's cool. I I also would imagine that people have to have more technical skills because the equipment probably is now very modernized from what it used to be. It certainly is. And the biggest, all the avionics, Right. All those computers, diagnostics. Yep. They are in the aircraft glass cockpits. Um, So the biggest thing that we have, and I I know we'll be talking about this, maybe some more. We can touch on it now. That's back to skill sets. If you like to work with your hands and you are a good troubleshooter, they're always Mm -hmm. looking for somebody that knows how to troubleshoot. Even if they don't, they're not, they know that you're young and you just got out of, out of school and you never worked on an airplane, but do you have basic troubleshooting skills in yes. general? Because then you transfer them over to troubleshooting an aircraft. Yes. Huge, yes. big deal in our industry. If you can't troubleshoot, then how are you going to fix the airplane? Oh, troubleshooting, yeah. soft skills, and guess what? Common sense. Yes. If yes. the light bulb's out, you don't check the light bulb, right? You don't have to go first yes. to fuse. Oh, yeah. And they ask that in an interview to see what a wow. kid will say. Common sense interview questions. Yeah. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. Let, let me ask you something. A lot of people, you know, when you're in your 30s, feels it's not possible to change careers. And you did that. Can you please share your experience and why, and tell people why it's possible? Yes. I think that we we don't realize how many skill sets that we have acquired – 
right? So at 35, yeah. I got into aviation. So when I did walk in that building that day, like you said, right, my personality, I had skill sets. But once he, and then of course I said, well, let me give you my resume too. No, I didn't have it that day. Let me send it to you. But I told him about my background and what I did and what I, you know, everything about I me, mean, kind of like we're doing right now. I feel like we're in an interview right now. We all are on an interview, quite honestly, really? at the end of the day. Yeah. I was able to take all these skill sets from the tourism industry. Remember I told you I had to book all the bookings and do all the stuff for the global clients? Yes. Natural for me. Okay. I have seven airplane tickets from Argentina. I got to book the hotel rooms. I got to set up catering and lunches. And then it's like, okay, I've got to provide this customer service. I got to take care of their wives and tell them where to go shop. So I took all these tourism related things that I was doing for 20 years and brought them to the forefront of that company on an operational level. Yes. That makes sense. And then I spent over 50% of my time in the hangar getting to know what it is an aircraft mechanic does. How oh, yeah. am I supposed to work with a client, um, helping them, even though, on a, even though it was on the, you know, the travel side, but also how do I going to recruit an aircraft mechanic? So I would hang out in the sheet metal shop, hang out in the avionics shop, right? So I would, so my skill sets that they needed, they, they needed that personality like I said, and they knew that they could teach me the rest. And that's, yeah. they said, we can teach you about aviation, Mindy, but I can't teach you a strong personality. <laughs> that's true. And also your ability to go and build relationships with the people who are doing the jobs. Yes. I mean, you're learning so much just, just from them. You're understanding what they like, what they don't like. You're understanding the, the intricacies of the job. So yes. there's so much that you're picking up being there that that's gold. Yes. So definitely. Um, Tell us why PIA is a great place to get people's uh, Philadelphia Institute of Aeronautics. Why is it a good place to get your education? Why should skillers consider your school? Right. So um, Pittsburgh Institute of Aeronautics has been around over 90 years since 1929. And then we have three more cam satellite campuses. We have um, one of the biggest things that I can tell you that employers say about our school comparatively up to others and there's great schools out there i'm not we're not going down that i'm just staying with ours but the number one thing that our employers say that when they come here and they hire our students that's a different quality and guess what the quality is what? soft skills yes because we don't teach soft skills here we live soft skills you are to be here on time which is an faa requirement you it's clock hours how you handle yourself, how you dress here, the things that you say to your classmates when we hear you in the hallway and we stop it immediately. We try to, well, of course, we try to have a little fun too, right? You got to have fun definitely, in the workplace. Definitely. But we we live soft skills here. And the employers always say, Mindy, that's the biggest difference. Now, all the schools we go to, the, 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 the suits, the haircuts, and the interviews, the shaking of the hand, all of that, just the way that they present themselves, how they carry themselves. And then our career fairs, they always say, you guys have the best career fairs. And I'm like, why, why is that? They're like, because your students are so engaged. They're not just like walking by and grabbing a pamphlet from us. They're asking all kinds of cool questions. They got notepads. So all those things that we've been talking about, right, we're coming back around to it again. Oh, that makes sense. Uh, so, oh, so that's a lot of PIA. So you're going to learn all of this. You're going to learn the basic part 147 curriculum, which is all schools, right? Our curriculum is not any different than anyone else's. But let me tell you how it's taught and who teaches it makes a difference, okay? Definitely. But I, so back to all those skill sets, like you said, I hired PIA graduates. So I can actually attest to the quality of student that comes out of this school. I hired oh, wow. their students for 13 years. So 
when they called me up and said, do you want, you know, this position? I'm like, oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Can you talk why people should consider this profession? Oh, because, you know, I, I don't know if I'm, am I allowed to say it? it's a sexy industry. It really is. It's, yep. it, we all say it, us females and men, we just go, we just, we like, we think we're like the coolest people ever in aviation, but we are, we fly 300 bodies in a tube in the air from here to Australia. How cool is that? That is cool. <laughs> and safely. Yeah, people, people don't, yeah. And so we're, we're down here on the ground and, and, and to be able to stand there and I used to do it by my previous job is stand there when I, you know, worked on that aircraft for six months, the intricacies of that tearing that sucker apart, putting the sheet metal together and the avionics wire and troubleshooting all these problems. And it's like, yes, I fixed it. And then to see that plane fly off and leave and go back to Argentina is like the best feeling in the whole entire world. And of course, right. You work for airlines, you get flight benefits. The benefits are phenomenal. Um, but obviously airlines, you get flight other different industries in aviation. You don't typically get the airline flight benefits, but um, it's very lucrative. The pay is awesome. Um, an entry level student that comes to school here out right out of high school that's 18 years old graduates when he's 19 and a half 20 years old never touched an aircraft or a car in his life is going to start between 19 and 21 dollars an hour with zero zero yeah, yeah. zero zero knowledge of nothing um and then they will give consideration to of course veterans people that have auto mechanic experience um i they love students that come in and say oh on their resume worked on my family's farm my whole life working with grandpa fixing tractors forklifts those types of things they look for all those skill sets when they do hire entry-level students so and i will say this for the airlines um, all the wages have stayed the same during covid um, the only thing that they've backed up, backed off of is uh, big, huge bonuses. Okay. Yeah. So for example, American Airlines has two sister companies. They're regionals that carry their regional smaller aircraft flights, PSA Airlines and Piedmont. PSA Airlines to start their union contract is $24 and 90 cents. No good. experience. That's serious money. And then you got to think about all the overtime that's available too. That's amazing. Oh, and another reason to go get in this industry because during COVID when nobody was working, you guys were. I had three classes at just this campus, three classes at my campus in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, that graduated during COVID. 82% are employed. 82% wow. were typically at 97% placement. But because wow. of COVID, yeah, so no, I don't think there's a whole lot of other people that can say that. No. There's no aircraft maintenance jobs. They were mostly laying off pilots, flight attendants, customer sick care agents. So what do you, so let's figure out what why it's common sense for us in aviation it's common sense they parked all those aircraft out in the desert or wherever they could park them now an aircraft is not designed to sit oh, it's yeah. designed to fly so very that not not good so when they remember when all this happened we were going to get through this curve in two weeks well now you're six months into it and you got an aircraft sitting out in the desert just parked there not running right you can get water in the fuel stuff going all kinds of things can happen so you need aircraft mechanics to sustain these aircraft that's true. So they're they're safer on their jobs than anybody else in the industry. They're also, believe it or not, probably I would imagine one of the most important jobs because they are the reason why that plane goes up in the air safely and comes down safely. Exactly. I mean, if they're not paying attention to detail, they miss something. That could be that could be a big problem. Well, yeah, that's <laughs> what we always say. It's between you and God when you're putting that bullet, putting that sorry, putting that um that that screw in that sheet metal, and you're all worried about going on that date. 
on Friday night and there's a missing, right? And there's a, there's a, there's a missing oh, yeah. uh, screw. And guess what? You want, you want your wife and kids going on that airplane? No. There you go. There you go. I love that. I love that analogy. I love that analogy. That's what you got to think. Real. Yeah. No, no, that's real talk. I've got a task at hand. Do I want my family getting on this airplane? Yeah, I love that. That that brings that brings it home, definitely. So, um, you know, you were a recruiter. Well, we kind of talked about that. You mm-hmm. know. Talk to me about, you know, we have a skills gap. How are we going to get more people to go into this country? A lot of people push college. And I mean, you went to college, I went to college. How do we get more young people into skill trades? That, yep, this has been a constant battle, um, as you know, all skills. Like, you know, I know we're talking about aviation today, but just for your listeners sure. out there, for your skillers, I got to remember yeah. that. I like it, skillers. Um, it's all trades. Um, uh, we've always pretty much over the past how many years have had at least 2 million manufacturing jobs available in this country. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, um, you know, I've got a girlfriend that's a lawyer, a real estate lawyer, and she makes half a million dollars a year. And you know what she has said to me? She's my age, 50. She says, I should have been a plumber. She goes, I would have been making 2 million a year. She goes, I would have, I, yeah, we talk about the skills because her, her dad is a construction guy and talk about these trades and how, if we would have thought about it, right. We're looking back now saying we should have got into these skills, trades, but nobody ever pushed that on females. No, not at all. Um, and then even with males, just in general, all their dirty jobs, right? Mike Rowe, dirty jobs, right? Yep. Yep. That's where you're making the money. The sanitation companies, right? They all got money. They're millionaires. And, they're homes. and you know what they're, they're moving. Yeah. 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 Um, so the skills got the biggest thing we have found for PIA within the high school level, in the middle school level, is getting to the counselors. Counselors are yeah. not talking to their students about skills trade. They're only talking about four-year schools, four-year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you have you go to a four-year school, you spend $120,000, and you come out, and you don't have a job, or you can't, you know, your job's $25,000 a year as a, as a preschool teacher. You come to PIA, you spend $30,000 total for 16-month program, and you start making immediately without overtime Forty six thousand a year. More than you're making more than what you spent in your tuition. Yep. This is that's a return on your investment. And right. And it's not just aviation, it's all your skills that you're pushing, right? Yeah. Trucking, HVAC, all of it. I mean, it's it's crazy. So we have to get to those counselors is one of the biggest yeah. ones. And then there are so many initiatives that are going on out there, but it's still gonna take it's it takes a village to raise a child. And it's gonna take the teachers, the counselors, and the family and the parents to waken okay. up. We have been getting this four-year college pushed down our throats for the past 40 years. This started 40 years ago with the four-year push. Go to yes. four-year college. And guess how many people come to our school? And I'm sure this is all your your other skill, you know, other other trades, trade skills. Sorry. Um, our average student comes rolling in here, 24 years of age, age already tried a four-year college, has already got 12000 in debt from that school and said, I never did like book work, but I was pushed into it. I always liked yeah. working with my hands and darn it, I'm going to go now. And they come to us. Yep. Yeah. And they probably do a very good job at 24. Now they have some experience. They're a different person than they were at 19. I can assure you. Yes, certainly. <laughs> certainly. You know, they, they can appreciate the, the program a lot more. Um, what advice would you give to students who are just entering your program? Let's say somebody who's been away, who's older, who's been out of school for some years. And, and I'm, you know, what advice would you give to them? Because let's say they're 35, 40. I've been out of the classroom 
10, 15 years, I'm scared to go back. What advice would you give them? Oh, yeah, we have this happen more often than not at our our, our school. Um, uh, we get the 35-year-old, 45-year-old. I had a 52-year-old. Nice. Two different guys at 50, 52. We had a, now this is just a side note. We had a 65 year old. He didn't come to get a right. job. He came to work on his own airplanes and he did it as a hobby in his retirement right. age. But let's go back to the average, right? That 35 year old to 40 year old. That's like Mindy, you know, they come in for that initial tour of the school. They're talking to admissions. They're all worried. Admissions comes and gets me. And then I sit down and say, they go, someone's going to hire me at 40 years old or this. And I looked at them and I go, no, they are going to hire you first because you've already got those soft skills you're going to show up for work on time you're going to be right. able to work as a team member you're not going to give any back talk there period that's oh and then what you worked on trains for 20 years uh yeah i think yes you're going to get hired so Definitely. and then we as a we are small um we are small schools all three satellite campuses um and then pittsburgh's our largest but it but still, we are very, very hands-on, the whole staff. Staff and faculty are very hands-on. Um, and then we appreciate the, um, the uh, I call it the mature student. The mature mm -hmm. student when they come in because yeah. then they help, hey, they kind of help wrangle the, the children yeah, in the classroom. <laughs> and, 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 and I, yeah, and, and so it's, and they, they become mentors. They become mentors yeah. and then they learn and all of a sudden they start to open up and say, yeah, I, I can do this. I can change careers. I'm going to get a job in aviation. I'm going to make great money. I'm going to do something yeah. that I always wanted to do. So, yeah, there's no concerns. Not if you come to PIA. I don't know about anyone else, but not for us. We, we, hey, come. We want you. Yeah. And, and, I, and I, I, I can't underestimate the value of what that mature student brings to those other students when they're teaching them. Valuable. Very valuable. Very valuable. They're, you know, so – but that, that's a great thing. Hey, talk to me. You know, so Skill Stadium, our platform, we use video. Like, so people use 30-second elevator pitches and 60-second videos just to kind of demonstrate their skills and knowledge as a way to show potential employers, hey, I am worth hiring. This is somebody you should look at. What's your take on the use of video to demonstrate your skill set to attract employers because I know you have a recruiting background so yes I, I would be curious to get your feedback on that um I think it's a great idea and it's been something that I've just been introduced to a little bit over the past couple of years and I'm I'm for it um, okay. um interestingly enough you know when you when you first reached out to me I didn't know a lot about skill stadium right you had reached out yes. to our marketing guy first but so I'm saying to myself this is the world that we're in back to technology um, and then his skills. So what better way than to videotape that skill, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, for example, even with interviews now, um, I'll use SkyWest Airlines as an example. SkyWest, when you interview with them, it's a virtual interview, but the recruiter yes. isn't on the other side. It's, it's a, it's a um, software program. Wow. They're videotaping me. So let's say, you, you know, I'm looking into the computer yes. um, and they're, they're asking questions and I'm answering the questions and they can see oh, me and hear me. Cool. And so then, they, so then later on, the recruiter goes and grabs that video. Okay. So, so think about that. They're already doing that per se, but doing it yes. at a time frame. So why not already as a incoming um, possible applicant already have that video done? I agree. I agree 100%. And I'm actually, um, while we're on the phone here, Keith, I'm going to, I'm getting ready to have a um, employer um, uh, pack meeting. And where we have airlines and maintenance repair overhaul stations. We got all kinds of aviation industry um, experts that are, that, that have to come and they kind of audit and review everything that we're doing in the school. 
And yeah. I'm going to talk to them about this and say, what would you think? Because this might be something that we could use here at PIA and work with you to sure. say, you know what? Hey, get with get with um, Skill Stadium and do this video. I'm not sure how that all works yet, but I'll I'll definitely talk with you more about yeah, that. I and I want to see what their thoughts are and say, hey, what would you like to see? No, definitely no. I appreciate it. Um, you know, you and I we didn't grow up with social media. Can you tell me how it's affected how you work and how you do business? Yes. Oh, certainly. Um, I mean, I, you probably think the same way with, with our generation. I mean, it's it's been awesome. Um, yeah, there's always the bad and the good of everything, but I think there is certainly more positive positive with the social media and the internet. Um, like I said, to be able to just jump on Google um, and and just look for information that's it's all out there on the World Wide Web, and then to be able to connect um, uh, with employers, even all over the world, all over the country. And like you said, not ba- you know, we're not able to, I'm not able to fly to Iowa to go shake the hand in the conference room like the 80s, right, in the 90s. Sure. So now I can say, can you set up a virtual meeting, Mr. Smith? I'd love to talk to you about our students and how they're interested in employment with your airline. Right. So to be able to have all of this, and I think we've probably seen it more so than ever the past year. Have we not? Yes, we have. Yes, Yes, we have. have. Definitely. Yeah. So it's positive. And I can tell you right now with all of your skillers that are out there listening, um, LinkedIn, I know it seems to be whatever it seems to some people, especially the younger ones. But I'm telling you what, join, um, uh, join COVID last year. I really pushed LinkedIn with my student body and said, we, it's a little bit more difficult. It's a little bit more challenging to get a job right now, but the jobs are out there. And LinkedIn proved to be exceptional with our students' job hunt. They absolutely love, the employers love to see a student that, I don't care if you're an HVAC or what it is, the skilled labor market out there and for you to say, hey, I'm in school currently and I'm working to get my HVAC or my aircraft maintenance mechanic license and, you know, wanted to want want to connect asking questions. They'll give you advice. I mean, LinkedIn is, is huge. And I would certainly recommend that for a social media platform. And then to also follow any companies that you're interested in on Instagram and all that. Yeah. Follow the companies and, uh, and they, and they know, I'm here to tell you, companies do know who's following them, um, and especially when it comes to applicants, the recruiters that I work with, and I work with a lot of them, uh, they got all those numbers, and you can capture all that data. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, so I you see it. Keith Williams on there all the time for the 16 months that he's been at PIA going to school, then all of a sudden, it's like, Keith graduated, we're calling Keith. Oh, yeah. It works. Oh, yeah. Yes, it does. Skillers, I, I hope you heard what uh, Mindy just shared, which is you got to be on LinkedIn follow these companies, um, create that strong online presence. Because I believe jobs, no one comes to your house with a job. <laughs> Nobody shows up at their door and says, knock, 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 I got a job for you. No, they're going to find you online. So your ability to be found, and that place is usually LinkedIn, is where you want to be. Final question, please share a life lesson you've learned that can help young people entering the skill trades, Mindy. I, I will say this right now, and it's been something that's been actually on my mind over the past, as I've, um, as I'm maturing over the past sure. 10 years, I will have to say that I have been a lot more open-minded, open-minded of folks. Looking back on my life, the biggest thing that um, I've been able to learn is I've always succeeded when I've allowed myself to be open and to let people help me. 
We think that people aren't out there to help us, but they are. I agree. It's a natural, innate thing that we have as human beings, and we don't think that. And I have to say, I had close, you know, we, we've all done it, and I've done it quite a bit in my life over the years uh, of putting that shelter up putting that wall up and not opening myself. So the biggest thing I can tell anybody to do anything for anything in life, wherever you're going, whatever path, and specifically in the skills trade, you're, you're learning a skill. They've already got the skill. They want to help you. Yeah. Ask the question. Ask for help. Ask for advice. And if you think about it, no matter what equipment you're working on, we obviously say in aviation, but, you know, it's dangerous working on equipment. Whatever you're doing, if you're in trucking, HVAC, if you don't ask the question and ask for help, that kind of scares me because you think you're going to be able to figure that out and then something bad happens. So open yourself and be open minded and don't 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 hesitate to ask for help, no matter what that is. And like I said, I I really and I I have to say it's unfortunate for me, but that's okay. I'm getting it now. It took me quite a few years. So that's what I would pass on to younger folks. Excellent. Well, Mindy, thank you so much for being on the Skill Stadium podcast. Uh, Looking forward to keeping in touch with you. And um, uh, please, uh, please tell us how people can find your organization before we go. Yes, we are at PIA.edu, Pittsburgh Institute of Aeronautics. Once again, back to, to, to social media, just Google us and our, our, our website will pop right up there and you can go on and, and check us out. Excellent. Mindy, thank you so much for being on the Skill Stadium podcast. You have a fantastic day. Thank you, Keith. And thank you, Skillers. All right. Thank you for listening to Skill Stadium. It would mean so much if you left a review on iTunes and told your family and friends about the podcast.